What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast, and thank you so much for checking it out this week. We are back. After two months off, we are back, and we are actually on a new coast now. Um, We relocated from New York City out to Los Angeles, and it took us a little while to find a new studio space where we can play loud music and record podcasts and do all sorts of fun stuff, but we finally found it, and uh, we're really happy to be out here. And we're kicking off the new space in the new area with an amazing guest. My very good friend, Jimmy Prosser, dropped by, and he spoke to me about TV writing and screenwriting. Jimmy is a super accomplished writer. He's already made the Hollywood Blacklist, which is a very prestigious writer's list. Um, He's won tons of awards for his shorts and films and scripts. And so it was really cool to talk to him about one of his earliest films, Noteworthy, which is a film I basically met Jimmy on, and uh, and kind of get his perspective on growing as a writer and director and producer. Um, his main actor from Noteworthy, Jake and Grande, uh, also dropped in for a few spots on the podcast to talk about their relationship together and kind of how they helped form each other's creative careers. So it was just really cool to talk to them both, and uh, we had a really good time. So without further ado, Jimmy Prosser. You got money to make it. It was yeah. I I raised that money. I self produced that, wrote it, directed it. You know, and Jake started it, and of course you helped out with the the, the sound. And that was kind of how we met. Sort. I mean, I mean, we knew each other, but then we kind of got to everyone got to know each other more because I was in San Diego. Yeah, and it was like a two week shoot over the course of my at my house, and I was like, you know. It was something I'd written that first year. It was my junior year after I had double transferred. So I'd gone from Boulder uh, freshman year to College of Arts and Sciences at NYU as English major to then transferring into Tisch as a dramatic writer. And it was something that was this exercise. Our teacher, that craft class was like, you know, my my craft teacher, Rinna, who you had, was like, uh, all right, everyone write a 20-minute short film. And I wrote it like in two weeks and she really liked it. A lot of people really liked it in the class and I had submitted it. She's like, oh, you, sh- you should, she encouraged me to basically submit it to all these contests. And it had one first prize for best short screenplay at the LA Independent Film Festival. And it won some uh, London Shorts uh, Film Festival. And I was like, you know, this is something I wrote it purposely to be shootable. Cause I was like, you know, as a writer, you kind of want to try other things. I didn't know if I wanted to learn how to direct and produce, but you know, it was something that was fun, and I yeah. liked the I liked the idea of it, and it was you know minimal dialogue with only a couple characters, um, and I was like, you know, through Indiegogo and Kickstarter, you can actually get this shit financed, and you know, we raised about ten thousand dollars and shot in two weeks. Yeah, and and were you? I mean, because this was kind of like you revealed to me not long ago. This is sort of your first foray into like really directing and. Getting a really nice yeah, camera and no everything. Because I was like, was I, that terrifying to you? It How was so you... terrifying for sure. But because we had a de- you know we had a deadline. Someone had to stuff. do it. I yeah, was just exactly. like, like how can you go to film school and not create a short film? Like I know, like it's different for the kids who are in film and TV who are mainly directors or the acting school who like want to be in short films all the time who audition. But as writers, we're never actually taught the hands-on technical stuff. We just know how to write. Yeah, and I think like. You know, they advertise us like us going to film school, but you have to learn how to shoot something eventually. I was like, this is a fun project to do it. And if you remember when you, we were still in New York because we shot that Noteworthy over the summer in San Diego. Winter break, winter break. Or winter break, sorry. But you were actually, it was getting interest in actual production houses and there was a group of producers that were interested in in producing it. I forgot about that. And 
they were slowly trying to add different changes and edits to try to take away, you know, oh. artistic integrity. So that, so that story is ridiculous. So basically, I went, it had one first place in this small screening contest at the LA Independent uh, Film Festival. And I went to go accept the award, um, drove up to LA from San Diego over winter break. And uh, yeah, basically, these producers who were there who were like part of the festival and like the people who are volunteers at the festival do want to like, you know, try to find some good scripts to make. And they approached me and they seemed legit and they're like, oh, this is really sick and let's do it. But I had a Skype meeting with them and they were like, oh, we're going to hook it with our director. And they were just, yeah, like what Jake said, they kept like giving me these notes has to make it like, I guess, better in their opinion. And it was it was like I saw Jimmy slowly compromising. So he told me he's like, oh, they showed me their director that they want to use. And I was like, OK. And Jimmy's like, well, he's going to send his reel. So then we yeah, saw the so reel, the reel. And then we were like, OK, well, it's pretty good I guess we can work and then they said we want to make these edits and we were like it kept being like I guess we could make it work and it just hit this point where I was like Jimmy what do we, why why are we trying to make it work for someone else right it's like if you like the script originally why are you trying to fix it right now and like they hooked me up with that director who was their friend and he was like he, I remember he pulled up this Excel sheet and we're looking at it on Google Docs and we're like he's like oh we can do this oh this scene yeah we can shoot this thing for fifty thousand dollars I'm like, he's like, do you what, have $50,000? Yeah. I was like, no, dude, I'm 19. <laughs> what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, well, uh, well, we can make some small edits, maybe get this down to 25. And I was just like, dude, can't do I purposely wrote this to be something shootable with my, me and my friends. Like, I just wanted to do some type of project. Yeah. And well, and that's, I mean, that's so, that's what I admire so much about you as well, is that that mentality I thought was so awesome because I remember you telling me about that when it was happening and obviously I didn't know to the extent that Jake mentioned that seems way worse uh, but I remember you kind of saying oh yeah these guys are kind of being weird about it and I'm not sure and then before I knew it we were all back in San Diego and we were all working on it and we had the camera and we had you know the director flew yeah. in and all these people you were going to pick up people from the airport and remember, every, everything was laid out it I was remember sending this email to them saying basically you're fired and it was it was the most nervous I've ever been it was like a really typed out long email like sorry I know we've been Skyping all these weeks but yeah, I can't do this, this isn't gonna work out like yeah. you're trying to put you're trying to shade a script you're trying to put your own director in it you're trying to have your actor friends be in it and I was just like look this was fun and now it's not yeah, and that's I was gonna have to go into audition for them. Like I, I, I was really interested in it. And I just yeah. obviously I wanted to help out, and they're like, "All right, well, like send a headshot in. You can drive to LA and come in and audition." And I was like, oh, "Okay," and I was down. I was preparing and I was ready to go audition, whatever. But I feel like in all the like whether it's Boulder or anything, it was just kind of like there's this riskier way to do it. Should we just say fuck it and just take it in our own hands and take all that risk and all the reward, or should we just go the safe route and see it through? And we always just kind of like jump on the the risky move, and it's it, so far it's always out. always yeah. got to jump on the risky move. I think that's the I think that was one of the biggest things that I learned from being around you guys at that early point was that I always knew how expensive it was to shoot films and that was always what was so daunting to me and that's why I think I leaned into music a lot is because I thought all right with music I have the software I have the instruments and I play all the instruments so like let's just do a demo or whatever you know I can right. just crank that out totally. but with film I was like I don't need to have a nearly good enough camera I'm gonna need fr I'm gonna need tons of people like I don't know anyone it was always so much more scary and then when I saw you guys go for it it was it was so inspiring because it was really something to just go, oh, no, we can do this, and we are doing it, and it's happening. And we don't know if it's going to work, but we're just doing it. Right, and, and like, with all the, like, all the utensils you have at, like, with, I mean, given this this current era, like, uh, ShareGrid has been super helpful. That's a, that's a rental service for cameras, um, along with lenses. Everything you need is on there. It's like Airbnb for film stuff. 
Um, so we just got like our, our friend Gus is an extraordinary DP. Um, he just was like, you know, I was my first time directing something and he was telling me all the lenses he needed, all this technical stuff. I had no idea. Like, all like, I need the jib, I need this type of tripod, I need this camera, this red or Alexa Mini or whatever it was. And I just had no idea at the time because I was, I was a writer. I didn't know how to, how to work that. But ShareGrid and through Indiegogo and just like all these, you know, all these um, services that are out there for young people. It's so helpful to do nowadays. What was one of the biggest things that both you guys t- took away from, from that project? Because I thought it came out pretty well. I mean, I remember being on set and I was having, so obviously I was just helping with sound and stuff and getting to know everyone. It was such a good time. But it was, it was a great, great time. time and and I really always make your short, at least your first films with your friends. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's, that was probably my biggest takeaway from it was the people that you choose to work on at your team are pretty much the whole thing, you know. Like we had some issues we with people so with much crew. Time with each other. We and had, we, yeah, some, and, yeah. and we learned from that. But we, you realize, like, once you have that story and the idea, it's all about the team. That that was pretty much what we were leading with confidence. It's like, you know, this is one of the riskiest businesses in the world, uh, one of the most saturated artistic markets. But it's like we were so confident that you know we have this good group of guys, and girls that just know what they're doing and they're going to try their best at least to just help this thing get to where we, we can see it and i think everyone did their part and that was that was the best i mean like just totally. like camaraderie was fucking awesome just like hanging out like you're spending so many 12 hours a day on set you want to be with people you're comfortable with like if we had gone with those producers initially i just couldn't feel honest as a director to really direct anybody because i was like i just what's going on here yeah. like and they were already making changes before that it was just this whole thing but you know it turned out and we did it and we got edited and yeah we kind of moved you know it was a great first project yeah yeah and from there what was your sort of next thought because once you once you finished it was it like do i got to do this again or what you know what was kind of your well it definitely like opened me up to like wanting to learn how to direct and learn how to use how to do cinematography i mean like working with uh my dp i just like you know you have to learn a little bit of everything as a director yeah and i just like you know, I couldn't do the best of my ability without knowing all this technical stuff. Um, and that's why I just I just took this UCLA cinematography class, so I learned all that shit right now. Yeah, exactly. So, and that's what um, we've been spending, you know, we were just talking about this the other day, how, you know, in our time at Boulder and even a little bit, a lot of it in New York, it was a lot of, you know, research into, you know, story and writing and what's a good acting performance and what, like, moves us in different times. And this year, it's kind of just pivoted to really trying to hone in on the technical side of things and being proficient. So even if we don't end up shooting a movie as a DP or as a cinematographer, we at least know what the fuck they're talking about and you can direct them. And your vision is, it's just like music. It's like when you get better at your instrument, you can just put down your vision that you have in your head just a little bit better, a little bit faster, yeah, a little bit more efficient. A little more clarity. It's like, oh, I want this shot. I want this to evoke this this feeling from this shot. How do I actually articulate how to set that up? I didn't know that when we were doing Noteworthy. And it's like, how yeah, could I at the time? You're, you're thinking like, yeah, I want this close-up shot and I don't want other things in the background. And I know what the feeling is. And now you can sit there and say, oh, okay, well, we want the 70 that, 70 millimeter lens that's zoomed in this or that you know you have that spec so it's just like that feeling boom i know exactly what 
we're feeling right now and what we can do. Yeah, exactly. It just, it's all about making the process. Yeah, it's, I think it's all, it was, it's all about just chipping away at it, right? It's all about just... It's just like, we're all, we were all so young and it's just like, you know, each semester, just trying to learn something new. Because I feel like so many kids in our program were just so complacent with doing that same sketch or that same TV pilot, like over and over and over again with the same exact story, same exact arc, you know? Um, but you really, you're in school, you're there to experiment. And I think that's what's really important. What was your biggest going into John or going into uh, Noteworthy? What was your biggest like inspiration? Was there sort of a, a short film or some sort of artist? Yeah, probably like her, I would say. Really? Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, that movie is just extraordinary, and Spike Jones is one of our favorites. Also, um, I think Memento, too. Memento, is huge. huge. I mean, it was a memory story, and yeah. Memento is, I mean, Chris Nolan's obviously one of the best filmmakers ever, and you know, that was his first short movie. And that was pretty much just one character in an isolated room, and that's a lot what this was. Um, but yeah, you just kind of have to throw yourself in there. Yeah, exactly. And then from there, you ended up going back to NYU, and you wrote John and Merrill, right? Um, yeah, I guess like that was I wrote Noteworthy what junior year of college, and then you know we had another year we had to write spec scripts, so I wrote like an Always Sunny spec script, okay. and then I wrote a Better Call Saul spec script. Um, and then we finally got to do original stuff again. So it was kind of weird how the how the program did that. Like they used this our freshman year or our first year in the program. They were like, okay, you can write original stuff, and then you have to spend a whole year writing other people's stuff, and then go back to doing original yeah, stuff. Yeah, it, it was very disjointed. I think, I think hopefully they'll change that for future students. Uh, yeah, it didn't really make any sense no, to me. Really. And, and like nowadays, now in the business, they don't care about specs, except for some, there are some uh, fellowships that do ask for spec scripts. But yeah, that was a thing in the 90s because yeah. of like Seinfeld, and like they wanted to know how you can write other people's voices. And I guess it's a great exercise to do as a writer, but at the end of the day, no one's people want to see your original work yeah that's that tends to be king which was kind of frustrating for me as well because i i remember working on those and i had some stuff that i that i liked but most of it was it was fine it was okay but so you ended up doing john and merrill later and then you ended up submitting this to all of these festivals and cool things and it really kind of took off i mean i remember seeing it at that that showcase and it was an amazing it was just acted out by actors who really hadn't had much experience with the material and it was incredible Everything yeah they were all off-broadway direct uh actors with i got hooked up with an off-broadway director um so basically how that idea happened um basically that year in boulder uh we watched so many 70s movies and uh this there's this common denominator who was this guy named john Cazal. and i don't know most no, most people haven't really heard of him but he was al pacino's best friend and acting partner he was in five movies that all went on to be best picture nominations in the 70s but the reason no one knows about him is because he tragically had lung cancer and passed away in 1978. um so basically we had watched this movie called dog day afternoon which is now we can agree that it's our one of our favorite movies of all time yeah. Um, it's with Al Pacino as his heist film. It's awesome. If people haven't seen it, definitely check it out. But um, yeah, we're just like this guy. He's also Fredo in The Godfather. And everyone always knows Fredo, but no one actually knows who that actor is. And me and Jake are like, how can no one know who this extraordinary person is? Yeah, and I think um, I think at the time, too, I was, I was transitioning. I was like, fuck music school. I'm just going to go be an actor. That's what I really wanted to do. And so I was really starting to like study why the people that we were watching in all these movies, why certain people were hitting us. And John was just, like Jimmy said, was just this common denominator that his performances in certain scenes just always stuck out to us. And we're like, who the fuck is this guy? And yeah, once we did a little bit of research, we found this whole connection with Meryl Streep. And I remember writing a note in my notes 
saying just like John and Merrill, John because all Merrill Streep love story, and I, and it was in what on St. Mark's or something. Yeah, I remember you telling me what junior or sophomore year, I don't even yeah. know, of high school, of uh, college, and Jake's like, you know that John and Merrill idea is like really cool. So but yeah, so John uh, discovered Merrill Streep at Shakespeare in the Park in 1975. She had just. Uh, graduated from Columbia M- or uh, Yale MFA program and then moved to New York to become an actress. And she was 25, and Cazell had just finished Godfather 2, and he was like 42 or something. And um, they had this intense, like, two year love affair. Um, and she basically became his t- caretaker when he was diagnosed with cancer, like six months into their relationship. And um, it was right before the movie The Deer Hunter. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah. But extraordinary, like, one of the best war films ever, one of our favorites. And he uh, essentially got her kind of in the film because he was sick and he's like, I need my girlfriend, who's my caretaker, on set with me. He was going through chemo. Going through chemo. Like he was, he was rough. It was like, yeah. And, and you watch it and you know, um, he, he's, he's definitely, it's definitely not all him. You can tell he, he was in select scenes in it because, I mean, you see him and even with all the makeup, you're just like, that's, he doesn't look like a healthy guy. Yeah. And he's, yeah. And they shot like Michael Cimino, who directed the film, like shot all of his scenes first before they did any of the war stuff. Cause he was the, in the he movie. Just knew. He's, yeah. He's the friend who was like, stayed at home while yeah. everyone else went off to the war. Um, and basically, yeah, we just thought it was a really great in on Meryl Streep, the greatest actress ever. Um, and so it really inspired you. And you really inspired me, yeah. And like Jake and I had 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 that idea for years, and we're like, I told him like, yeah, I'm gonna save that for thesis because uh-huh. I love this. Um, so yeah, by the time senior rolled around um, that second semester, they're like, oh, our teach like my teacher uh, Jason Kim was like, uh, he he writes on uh, Barry now. He's the EP on that too, and he had written for girls and uh, love uh, Judd Apatow's show. And uh, basically, he just showed up and he was like, okay, you guys got three weeks to write a full draft of a one-hour drama. And everyone was, like, freaking out. And it was a tight deadline, but, like, you know, with this idea, I was like, there's so many great pieces of it. Like, I want to use Al Pacino as the best friend. I want to use De Niro as another great character in it. And all these, all, all of our heroes, basically, of that 70s generation. Um, and I just turned out this draft of it really fast and I'm glad he put that type deadline on it because it was like you know a lot of students struggle with it but we had to basically turn it out there was no other option and by once like once you have something on the page it's way easier to edit that's always the hardest part right yeah exactly it's getting something out there so once you did this, then you submitted it to all these different festivals and stuff, and it won all these different competitions. Yeah, yeah. And it ended up getting yeah. you on the on the blacklist, right? Yeah, John Merrill is uh, currently uh, on the blacklist. You guys should check it out. Definitely, everyone um, read it. Yeah, and it was selected as the uh, you know part of the Tisch uh, Stage Festival. Um, so only three people, like uh, a year or whatever, are selected. And uh, yeah, they basically uh, no one in the program really knew me because I had transferred. So like our chair, like just randomly had called me into his office and I figured I, it was, I was right before graduation and I thought I wasn't going to graduate on time because I hadn't taken this one class. So you were terrified about yeah, that? Yeah, I, I thought that. I was like, I haven't gotten an email from this guy. Like, I thought there's there's no way. He saw my transcript. There's no way I'm going to graduate on time. And he was just like, yo, I want you in this festival. I don't know who you are, but I love your script and it's awesome. So let's do it. Um, and it was just such a good experience and like the actors who got to play John and Merrill and Pacino and whatever like did such an awesome job. They did and, an incredible job. Yeah, and you were I there mean, in the audience. With I couldn't believe it was our, so good. All it, of our friends. It really stood out. It really stood out. I mean, compared to just, you could tell the actors really 
for into it too because it, it was all of their heroes clearly you know it yeah, was, they got course. to play their own heroes Meryl Streep and and it was it was amazing yeah yeah and I think the key to having a successful like at least idea is to have a unique in on a really big idea you know and you know it's it's commercial but it's also unique to yourself because you know through John Cazale who is our friend it just expanded this world for us um, yeah it was, it was awesome such a great experience so now you're out here um, in LA and you're working on a bunch of new scripts and I know some stuff you can't talk about because it's almost finished and you're uh, yeah I'm, I'm finishing up my first feature right now um, and that'll be done very soon though right? that'll be done hopefully within the month okay yeah. so then maybe I can attach it later and everyone can check that out too it's called Charlatans very excited for that Ooh, one I think we're all very tense. excited for that yeah uh, and you'll be submitting that to Sundance and to all these huge mm-hmm. festivals yeah very I've cool. already um, I've already submitted an application to the Sundance um, you know uh, feature uh, fellowship and John and Merrill I submitted to the TV lab fellowship and that actually has advanced the top 10% awesome so they uh, originally there were 4,000 applicants and then now we're down to 400 so um, they only select 10 a year and you know it's it's a tough tough yeah tough but that's great to get but I mean just to get your that first far. year I was pretty stoked on it just yeah to get that far. definitely that's definitely a huge huge step yeah and like that summer after graduation I me and my writing partners had written out a full it's an eight episode miniseries uh one hour drama and we have the whole story bible ready and um you know the producers I've been meeting I've always talked to them and they all have really liked the scripts thus far so oh, that's awesome I hope that leads to something soon yeah of course I'm sure it will um, and so I guess now to get to more of the, the creative advice part of the podcast, <laughs> I kind of want to kind of push in and, and ask what sort of advice you'd give to people who want to get into writing, but maybe they don't, you know, have all of the, uh, have all of the perfect ideas or all the perfect knowledge on, on formatting and stuff. What would you mm-hmm. say to the, someone who's really interested and loves movies or loves television, but can't quite seem to get all the way in there yeah I mean first off write what you know like write what um, it doesn't matter what genre it is like so many people want to typecast themselves in that one thing but it's like as long as your voice is coming through and whatever story that is the, the better is like the more specific the better right and it you know it really does it does speak like about you as a writer and like whether that's a spec script or a feature whatever it is um, you just kind of you know, people want to know that it's it's by you. Yeah, um, that seems to be very important in Hollywood right now. Is that it's like it's got to feel like unique. It's got to feel like you, and then also it has to be you have to be related to the idea somehow. That's why totally. the write what you know definitely comes totally. into play. And like what I was, what I always like to do is I like I like to write in Word. I don't know, I have a really difficult time writing Final Draft because I just get really caught up in the spacing and like just how it looks on the page and I know you like to write in Final Draft yeah right? for those for those that don't know Final Draft is the it is the premiere it is the standard application for all writing it basically formats everything for you um, I mean you, there's a little bit you, you kind of have to know navigate but for the most part it basically formats everything for you and it's very technical yeah. Um, and yeah it is it does get it kind of dampens creativity I, I'm just one of those people that I just like I'm a visual learner and I just if it doesn't look right on there it just doesn't work for me and so I, you go I just, line by line I just go line by line in word and then I just transcribe it over and like that's its own when I uh, you know move it over to Final Draft in that format, it's its own like editing process because you actually have to examine every line here, every line like one by one when you're retyping it in, and then it's like oh you're forcing yourself to look at every line, examine it as closely as possible. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think like. And would you say that also? Because I remember you were telling me that 
shorter dialogue tends to be way more impactful. Oh, definitely. I mean, like, just listening to this podcast right now, uh, like, everyone cuts each other off, and, like, what I really like to do is write simultaneous dialogue. Um, Noah Baumbach, who's one of one of the great writers, um, he did, like, Squid and the Whale. Um, he did My Wit Stories on Netflix. He's really awesome. But he's really, this is a great YouTube video about dialogue. I'm sure if you just type in Noah Baumbach dialogue on YouTube, it'll, come, it'll be the first thing. But he's so good at, like, how people cut each other off, how people do talk over each other. And it's kind of like that Seinfeld thing, you know, where it's like, uh, they're having like two conversations going on at the same time. Like George is on the phone talking about some random thing while Jerry and Elaine are talking. And I think that's really important. I mean, that's actually how people day to day, you know, they talk. And that's a huge, uh, and it's and it's what people want to see too because it's way more believable. Like way more bad dialogue. You could have the coolest effects ever, but bad dialogue and bad writing will ruin a film. It will absolutely destroy it. Always yes. get always get to the point. And I think like. Something I've learned recently is like writing and I don't know if it's present progressive, whatever that ING tense is, um, automatically like makes it more uh, more intense because it's like it's happening right now. Kind of like how Don, like Donald Trump speaks or like Yago and Othello. It's like using that present tense means there's an up in urgency. Um, and I've been kind of experimenting with different verb tenses as I write and it's been really helpful, especially in stage direction. Yeah. Um, how many scenes do you usually, I mean, do you, are you someone that really sticks to the trying to limit scenes, trying to do like, okay, don't want to take up too much space or do you let yourself go? Yeah. I mean, definitely it shouldn't last more than three pages. I think one of my beginning like scripts I wrote in, in a Tish, I was like, oh, I had, I remember having a 10, a 10 page one scene cause I wanted it to be like Tarantino and like do the glorious bastards, like beginning scene and like have it be really intense. But the reality it's you're using film as a visual medium and there's Unless you're like that good at dialogue, like Quentin, it's not going to come through. People are going to get bored. Yeah, and so also people, I think, typically wouldn't be interested in those. I mean, they would just weed it out. You know, if you see someone totally. that's ten pages as their first scene, totally. Like any gonna... any producer would be like, "Oh, this guy's an amateur." Yeah, right here. Yeah, um, yeah. Always try to keep it short. Um, less is more, as they say, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what What do you do typically to inspire ideas? Because I know a lot of people I've had. I've talked to producers and they're, you know, gotten taught by producers in the past who've said, uh, you know, literally uh, one of their biggest things is just looking at stories on New York Times just every day. Just scout, just Yeah, I mean, so much of it is just looking. Yeah, you have to be present in what's going on in the world. And as much as I hate Twitter, I have to have it because you, you just kind of have to know how you have to gauge what people react to and know what's trending and everything. Um, and I think like, uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's kind of tough. Uh, it, it, I think with us, it's just like it, sometimes it'll come through something like that. Like we read an article from the New York Times in 1980 and we think, oh, this could be a full movie. And then I think what we've been talking about a lot is just like the ideas that stick because we have so many ideas every day and we always have to say to day. ourselves, <laughs> like, relax. But those ideas that stick where we're talking about them two weeks later and we have that ex- same excitement as that same day. Totally. Those are the ones that we're like, okay, we're actually putting this in our timeline in our heads of like, we want this done by this date. And those are the ideas that really stick. So we, you know, we have we have so many dumb ideas every day. And every, everybody, everybody yeah. has an idea a day, but one you have to write it down. And if you like, if you don't, uh, if you don't remember the next day, it's probably not good. Yeah, and yeah. Like I, I had an idea that. yesterday, and I I was like, man, I had it had a A plot, a B plot. It could have been half a script, perfect. I just cannot remember it. I'll try to think of it. Jimmy's like, you know, it probably wasn't that good. And it's right. 
it probably we we have ideas that just keep every day we wake up and we're like we're still thinking about that it's still really good yeah the ones that really stick like three months down the line those are the ones you need to attack yeah i'd say um, that's very true keeping like whether it's on a hard drive or if it's you know if it's ideas in a journal or something and going back and combing through even if you have to make a list with me it's all the demos right mm-hmm. my my just like stuff that i've recorded with my iphone or whatever uh, and I'll go back through and some, some I'll just go, damn, there's some that I did years ago that I'll listen back to and I'll go, oh my gosh, I was really onto something then. And I can't believe, usually, you know, it's, I listen back to something two years ago and I go, this is terrible. But every once in a while something slips through and I go, oh, there, there was something there that was cool. And that's an amazing, that's an amazing totally. process to go through, which is, is really cool. Who would you say are your biggest influences when you're sitting down oh, and writing that's a good question we can we can answer for each other because i know yeah that. answer for each other james is number one every day is big quentin tarantino for for just for just general life it's not even it, the funny thing is it's not even we started off like really just liking his dialogue obviously but now it's just more of like just this person that we think is just so funny so out funny. off the page just like just in as a general joke. everyday life he's a <laughs> he character we yeah. keep him in mind um, but i mean i think i think my other like i guess my favorite writer like and oh and like another piece of advice i think when you're writing screenplays i think it's really important to read novels um because those yeah. are like to me those are the real writers like you know um and like my favorite is this guy named ted chang he's a great science fiction writer uh, he's got a lot of short stories uh he actually wrote uh his short story uh, it's called uh, the story of your life it was actually adapted into arrival that movie with amy, amy adams and jeremy renner oh okay uh, directed by denis 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 shot by uh, i don't know i'm not french Bradford i don't know how to pronounce his last name <laughs> Denis Denis. 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 Um, yeah and he's he's extraordinary check him out and chuck palinick um i was i got really into like this transgressive fiction which is kind of writing taboo um, ideas, especially in class, because it's really fun to see like people's uh, reactions to these kind of startling, like you know, things. Um, and I'd say uh, Dennis Johnson. Uh, there's this great book called Jesus Son that's a lot of short stories, um, kind of about um, addicts living in this kind of remote town. You don't really know where. But what I love about it, it has the untrustworthy narrator because the narrator's always fucked up. You kind of don't even know what he's saying. He kind of goes on these random tangents, but it feels really much like real life. Like Camus almost. Yeah, it's like, like that, Camus. That um, trailing off. Yeah, I would say those are those are probably my biggest influences. Well, and then for us, yes, it's a, every day. I mean, for I can speak for both of us. The the Safdie brothers who are new, oh, yeah. right? They're writer producer directors out of new york uh they're two young guys they came out their biggest movie was good time that came out like 20 2016 2017 yeah around that time movie one of their first ones it's with rob pattinson if you haven't seen it, it's on amazon definitely and, check it out i mean we were just we hadn't seen a movie like that other than maybe like anything that alejandro Inarritu has done but that movie in particular for someone we had no idea and we were just we we talk about it every day still we're just blown away I, by I mean I, I think we've watched it what 10 times this year maybe more we maybe watch more. it's a major source of influence it's the biggest thing and they're gonna be huge directors um, I mean they've been to Cannes three times and they have a new movie coming out that Scorsese is producing uh, with Adam Sandler as the lead that's coming out around Christmas time it's oh, called, very it's uncut, called uh, gems. uncut Gems and that was their passion script that they want. They wrote like three years ago, but they couldn't get funding for. And so but, now they now they but now they it. got the funding through Good Time. To yeah, make it. check oh, these awesome. check these guys out. Alara Pictures. I mean, they're fucking. They're they're so the best good. young filmmakers. So good, definitely. 
Oh, awesome. Yeah, well, we'll definitely put all the links on there and everything. And I'll make sure and attach links to the screenplays and to all. And to note, is noteworthy out there too? Is it on Vimeo for everyone to watch, or is that still like a link thing? It's still like a link thing. I can okay. post it on Vimeo. Okay, sure. yeah, we can try and get that hooked up and everything. Because yeah. I think it'd be cool if everyone watched. I don't know. I think it'd be cool for people yeah, to watch it. Definitely. I think it's a cool film and it's it's a really interesting story and the acting is great. Everything is really cool. Definitely. So, yeah, well, thank totally you guys so much for being on and sharing everything. It was really oh, really wait, great. Wait. I, I can name Jake's influence. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you want me to name his influence. Dude, we're talking about music or acting. Which one? Do acting. Acting. Do def- acting. Because we, we touched on acting. definitely Nicholson is probably your, your, yeah. your biggest. I would say. And it's the same um, thing of like I feel like with with us too our influences it's not so much like on the page or on screen we really you know we become fans of them like I don't want to say like little fanboys but we're so like fans of just you know their life choices outside of the business and just things like that you know just like all encompassing not just like not just creative fans we're just like fans of them in general someone like Nicholson's just the fucking yeah He's just yeah. number one. I mean, I mean yeah, come Jake, on. Jake's a method actor, and all those guys like Pacino or De Niro, like all of them. Um, yeah, I mean, do you want to talk about that and method, method, method acting? Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it's just the guys that just get us going. We yeah, we we kind of noticed that all the guys that um, that we were enjoying were under the same school or same similar schools of thought, and you know that's what I ended up coming to LA and doing. But yeah, I mean, the guys like. Michael Shannon or De Niro or I mean John is just Ed Norton Norton. (laughs) it's funny with John because you know John was only alive for five movies but just how much we still think about him and the projects he was in it's just I think John Cazal is probably our you know biggest inspiration yeah I mean that's why we wrote the script to you know to get people to know him yeah exactly because he is like yeah, anyone today has no idea other than, oh, that's Fredo from The Godfather, right? Yeah, like, they don't no, know how much he did. Complete, like, just ridiculous career. Yeah. Such an artist. That sounds so fucking lame, but he was just, yeah, he just, like, lived for it. And he's the best. Check out all of his movies. They're the they're some of the best movies in film. I mean, it's, it's crazy that he happened to be a part of all of these amazing movies that so many awards and are, I mean gonna last on forever for sure definitely, definitely. yeah so the, his five movies were godfather one godfather two <laughs> dog day afternoon the deer hunter and the, the conversation, conversation with by francis ford coppola oh my so gosh pretty very star yeah like that it's repertoire crazy. is insane yeah, that's amazing that's a good five <laughs> movies to have i, I wish definitely. we didn't have to tell people to check them out but definitely i mean yeah he's so underappreciated and so good yeah so good it's insane yeah all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for being on and everything, and 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 we'll definitely I'll I'll add all the links so we can because I want people to definitely see Noteworthy and to read the scripts because the scripts are amazing too. Sure. Yeah. I could even attach the John Merrill script. It's on it's on the blacklist right now for people who want to check it out. Okay. Yeah. We do the um, link or whatever. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. That'd be awesome. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Thank you, man. It's a pleasure. <laughs> You're the man. Of course. We'll definitely do this again. So I love you, soon. AJ. <laughs> love you too. I love you. <laughs> <laughs>